Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to the Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of This is Rampage, baby. <laughs> but before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AW Rampage, but also AW Danumage, <laughs> Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2, but oh, oh baby views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week Please, with a bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet. Michael Sidgwick still enjoying some well-earned time off. No doubt reading his brilliant book, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, which mm. is available right now on Amazon. But anyway, we're here to review... Hey, I just met you. And this is crazy. But here's my number. This is baby. <laughs> I... I don't want to start this review on a sour note, mm-hmm. but they have given up on Rampage, haven't they? Like, it was a fun watch, but it's not any more appointment viewing, is it? Yeah. There was a point, right? This is jumping out of the middle of the review, but it's, you know, it's Rampage. QT Marshall was the second person this week to make pretty much the same joke, where I was like, hey, Cole Carter, like, sleep on it. Sleep on the offer. And... That had the opposite effect of what I think it was supposed to have. Because rather than me going, ah, ah, NXT in the mud, AW point scoring, I was like, oh, I wish this was 2.0, because at least some bollocks would take place next and I'd be interested. <laughs> like, yeah, this was, it's the same, like, inessential. People ask, right? And I, like, I love that they ask, and I love that we have, like, an engaged audience, and I, like, I feel like we're engaged in the product, and they're engaged in the product, and we're all, like, especially when it comes to AW. And for the most part, people understand that like our criticisms are in the best possible mm. faith because we're held to the highest standard. People ask sometimes, and they, they mean it in the nicest possible way, oh, like, NXT 2.0, oh, it's terrible. That, like, review Dark and Dark Elevation. I've started watching Dark and Dark Elevation recently. I quite enjoy it. Mm. I was liking it more when I wasn't so keen on Dynamite because it was so formula that it couldn't really go wrong. Here's a star. Here's a jobber. They're going to pat the stats now with a win. I said that right? Pad their stats with a win, mm-hmm. and you're going to get to see five minutes and a finisher, right? And these people that you don't otherwise see on, you're not like Anthony Gould in commentary as well. And like just people in places that you would like to see more than Dynamite, but the roster feels very big at the moment, and not everybody can get a chance. But it's hard to review it 
because it, it's a series of squash matches. That, that's what it is. So it's like, duh, duh, duh. like you would recap the match and you would say all, describe the moves they were done and I would go, yep, all those things happened. <laughs> it's, it, there's nothing really to analyze, right? Yeah. Rampage isn't that format and yet is increasingly feeling like that. Mm. You're going to describe the events of three matches here, four matches here, and there's so little to go off for the bulk of it, right? For the bulk of it. And like, I understand that it's taped and you've got an audience that has already seen the meat of what they bought the ticket for. And they've kind of already had, to use one of your favorite analogies, like they've already had the dessert and now they're being asked to finish the vegetables Mm -hmm. and they're full. And like off this week's dynamite, it was a pretty big dessert. You've had a lot of cake. (laughs) And then it's like, right, I know like you're absolutely bursting full. You look like a Monty Python character where the suit buttons are starting to pop off. Get this broccoli down you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I just, I don't want chicken and broccoli because I've just had an entire cheesecake. Thanks very much. <laughs> and that is happening with such increased regularity that even the bits that are there to sort of service a storyline or tease something on dynamite, one great, like one great bit of booking and a great way to set up that great bit of booking on this indeed episode. AW at its best is still the best wrestling show by a mile, but on this weekend in particular. And this has happened a few times with Rampage. When it when other wrestling is going on that is gobbling up the conversation, Rampage kind of there's that Simpsons gag, isn't there? Like people are reacting to the Simpsons with size, uh, angry size. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the space that Rampage occupies because you've got like already you said it. SummerSlam was going to be set up to uh, Ric Flair's last match. You've got the chaos and carnage of Ric Flair's last match. And then SummerSlam goes and SummerSlams itself. Mm-hmm. So, in, like, we're days removed, and that's possibly unfair on Rampage because Rampage came first, but we're days removed on a Monday from the show itself, and it might as well have not existed. Yeah, I, I stupidly watched SummerSlam before this. Oh, no. And it's, yeah, it's never felt more inessential than than watching this late on Sunday night, having having watched the Lionesses bring football home and uh, SummerSlam, yeah, as you mentioned. I watched Rampage on a Megabus uh, on the way to Leeds to watch my favourite band, favourite band play two gigs and uh, Freudian slip there because I said bland when I was talking about watching um, Rampage on a Megabus. Made a point for myself there, didn't I? My brain made the point before I could form a sentence. <laughs> so uh, so AW. Fun start though. Uh, we had a uh, six man, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt. Great to see Sanjay Dutt back in a wrestling ring uh, versus Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends. On one side, you've got Sanjay Dutt wrestling in a suit. On the other side, you've got Best Friends in tie-dye. Yeah, Sanjay with a pencil over his ear still, not wanting to commit to this as a proper... Like, he hasn't wrestled since something like 16, 17. And clearly, there, enough of him can still get. But keeping the suit on was almost an acknowledgement of like, ah, I, I don't really... I don't want people to remember this as some big cover yes. match. I'm not putting the tights on just yet. And it was in character too, because he was not best pleased that he'd been roped into this match, mm. this trios match. I think this was big picture stuff for AW to flesh out the brackets of their impending trios tournament. And I think that's why this match existed, right? Because And it got, it got to a point that you've made on, on several other podcasts as well by the end of it all. Well, what? Which particular point that the Satnam Wardlow's Singh? got friends. Wardlow's got mates now, yeah. Um, I, was, I thought you were going to talk about Satnam Singh being like the next breakout. Well, yeah, 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 that one. Because otherwise, I had a lot of problems with this match. It was comedically cute. And I've got no issues with that. I love Sanjay with the pencil. Like, I love some of the Orange Cassidy, Satnam Singh stuff. But there is a, a lot of reasons why people are growing loudly frustrated with trying to understand what the hell Ring of Honor is. Because would you know that Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe have been going at it for like three months watching this? <laughs> no. Like this 
he's just lost his TV title match after this like enduring rivalry that was I found it boring but like they were trying to sell a pay-per-view off it for quite a while and then it's just like right now do a comedy trios match that Saturday never existed you're just back in amongst it in your trios thing just doesn't feel joined up to it all and speaking of not feel joined up they're on the risk of blowing Orange Cassidy as a main event star again he cannot be farting around doing this stuff yeah like I know I'm sounding impatient and it's probably like WWE brain and whatever and he still comes across like the biggest star in this context just don't put him in this context I don't think it's a bad faith comparison to say this is what people worried about when Becky Lynch was placed with Dana Brooke. Like, yeah. you risk diminishing the awe of somebody again as you do with Orange Cassidy if you don't take what he currently is seriously. And yet, I think most of this existed just to show you that trails bouts are coming and you're going to see both these trails in the brackets and nothing more to add. Like, the, the comedy got in the way of there being any sort of other match here. And the, my Satnam Singh take is subjective. I don't, like, a lot of people, I don't think see it in him. He does I like Satnam Singh. I like him too, but I think I like him in the way where... Well, I think the worrying thing is I like him in the way that like an old Vincent Mann would like him. Can't wait to see that guy dance. Like, <laughs> yes. I, I worry that already, like, I don't think he's going to win world titles by being the next Andre. I think he's going to win dance-offs by being the next great Carly. And that you know, might not go too well. Wardlow coming out. The Wardlow Best Friends Association is something I'm a big fan of. It's funny that his first friends are the best friends. Yes. There's a cute association there. Yeah, so Lethal and, and Trent... Uh, do the wrestling part of this quite early on. <laughs> that goes to a stalemate. Lethal wants Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy comes in and wants Satnam Singh, but instead he tags in Dutt, uh, and they do the whole Sanjay Dutt takes off his jacket and tie and unbuttons his shirt and hands that to the referee Rick Knox, and then the referee Rick Knox gets the shades and the kicks, and there's all the, the you know the wacky mm-hmm. stuff that we get there. Um, Dutt then immediately tags in Satnam Singh. Cassidy goes to do his shtick with him and just gets chucked all over the shop. Uh, running crossbody from Satnam Singh on both the best friends. In comes Lethal. He puts the boots to Cassidy to take us to break. When we come back, uh, Chuck Taylor, Trent Barretta, they uh, hit that soul food half and half combo on Lethal. Take out uh, Singh with a double drop kick, knock him off the apron. We finally get the hug they sort of tried for earlier mm-hmm. on and been cut off. Uh, lethal hits them both with a lethal injection. And Orange Cassidy hits a tornado DDT on Lethal. Um, Dot comes in. Dot tries to do the uh, Cassidy kicks. But Cassidy's not having that. JR's head nearly fell off when Duck was doing the kicks as well. He's like, isn't one enough? <laughs> Breaks his pencil, does Cassidy. Hits Duck with the orange punch. One, two, three. But post-match, in comes Satnam Singh to wreck the best friends. Lethal hits Cassidy with a lethal injection. The beatdown's on. But who should come out to save the best friends and orange Cassidy? And Wardlow, of all people. Yeah, this is it. So, you know, they're kind of like repaying the favor and finally he's got allies and all that kind of thing. That will help long term for him to have these kind of like these people in his life now that can make a difference if he is suddenly outnumbered. Wardlow, uh, as an enemy of the lethal Dutt Satnam Singh trifecta, is quite smart because you've got in Jay Lethal a guy that can have a pretty great match with him. Sanjay Dutt, a foil that can take some comedic bumps and pratfalls a la uh, Sean Spears alongside MJF. Uh-huh. And Satnam Singh in a thing you really want to watch. Like Wardlow, like, you want to watch that. Wardlow and Satnam, like you want to see if Satnam Singh is going to get Power Bombs Infinite. Mm-hmm. You want to see this stuff. So it's like, that's a, that's good booking. That is good booking. Um, if if this trio's match was used as maybe an inessential backdrop to that. Mm. Then we got a, uh, a recap of FTR at Death Before Dishonor. 
did find it weirdly hilarious that they were like, there we have it, FTR winning at Death Before Dishonor. Who do they face? Winning at Death Before <laughs> Dishonor. Yeah, but who are they wrestling? Doesn't matter. Don't think about that. We'll barely show a second of the Briscoes, despite the fact they're one of the best tag teams in all of professional wrestling. Yeah. I felt so bad for the Briscoes, but I love FTR so goddamn much. It's a really strange one, isn't it? Because it's hard not to assume that Discovery, uh, Warner Media, whomever, have drawn a very, very, very hard line in the sand over this. Uh, Tony Khan was willing to go out and say, I've signed the Briscoes to a Ring of Honor contract. And like, okay, what's a Ring of Honor contract? Yeah. Because all your Ring of Honor wrestlers in the most part wrestle on AEW, and Ring of Honor yet doesn't exist outside of two pay-per-views. So what is that? And then, yeah, this highlight package continues to add to that. Is what it is. Ian Riccoboni went, vouch, so I'm not going to get into a Briscoes chat, but like, a lot has been said and done that suggests that changes have been made. Yeah. But discovering Warner Media have got their way and so be that, I guess. Uh, then we literally got a match straight out of dark, basically. It was mm. Ethan Page versus Leon Ruffin. It was a complete squash. Leon Ruffin tried to do the thing that he did before, slipping underneath Ethan Page, but he's learned from that. He hates this place and uh, Ethan Page hits him with the uh, Ego's Edge crucifix powerbomb for the victory. He's not happy about being here. I know it's obviously a gimmick, but what do you make of it all? Nothing to the match, and I don't like the gimmick. Um, we've said this before. Don't make... It's it's such a slippery slope. And this comes... This Ethan Page squash, and this character, I guess, comes amidst a story that um, was... Uh, you can find it on modculture.com somewhere, where over the course of like a two-day period, a bunch of AEW wrestlers were just tweeting how unhappy they were, were with their placement on the card. That's normal. You've got mm-hmm. a roster full of wrestlers. There's going to be wrestlers that are unhappy with the place. But taking it to the public forum is very different than just having work grievances that you... MJF's a different kettle of fish. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't include MJF in this. I think uh, it was Brian Cage and Sonny Kiss. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. A couple yeah, yeah. Of um, yeah, yeah. That's obviously a different different gravy. Different gravy. Um, it's, so that is something that right now is happening in AEW, for real. People are unhappy with their position on the card and within the company. Running an angle, regardless of if there's any sort of realism to it or it can be, or people can draw the comparison between the two and AEW knows its audience is plugged in and knows it's unhappy. What's the end goal? Right, Ethan Page isn't going to wrestle Tony Khan. No. So that's, that, that's like, the, like the first sort of obvious problem with this. So he's got to face somebody that represents the authority of AEW, right? Theoretically. Or somebody that is in a more privileged position on the roster. But then... As a fan, you're asking questions. Well, why is that person in a privileged position when the other person isn't? Because if the wins and losses record doesn't back that up, then the whole thing falls down. That's a house of cards, right? And Ethan Page has just won. So he's won a match that is going to help him get up in the rankings. We've been here before with the men of the year, no less. Like with Scorpio Sky, remember when he couldn't get a title shot? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've won 86 million matches in a row. Where, <laughs> like he's British Bulldog walking around wondering, where's my title shot? And it's like, where is it? Yeah, it's where point. is your title shot? Yeah, you cannot, you cannot vindicate a heel questioning the credibility of the authority. WWE did it, and WWE, the brand, will never not be there. Look at Triple H is, like, in the news at the moment for, like, can he make WWE good? That's a, like, that's a 10-year project, really. But, like, <laughs> but what one of the smartest things he did, and I was in these crowds, was have people chanting NXT like it didn't have WWE's initials at the top. People just bought into the principle of NXT being another, yeah, a different, uh, you know, I'm sick of this bloody company. I'm going to use its 9.99 a month network to watch another subsidiary yeah. product of this company. Like, it, like, Wilborn, that's it. Me and Coca-Cola, we're finished. Hand me that Sprite. <laughs> that was what it was to, like, chant NXT, NXT. They had to do that because nobody 
nobody will ever chant WWE, and not just because the syllables are a mess, right? Mm. Ask her angle, WWE, WWE, <laughs> can't be done. It just why open these doors? Mm. These are the real forbidden doors, never open them. Uh, this is when we got the uh, Cole Carter interview where he literally didn't say a word, as far as I'm aware. Mm. Uh, QT Marshall starts making the comments uh, about the family. and uh, Be careful what you say. Uh, being a bit of a, bit of a wise guy, a bit of a schmuck. I kind of wanted the family to boist right in. For their change, I actually wanted a goddamn interruption. I nice, to see, uh, <laughs> nice to see Anthony Agogo back on my screen. Uh-huh. It's been a while. Uh, and yes, he offered Carter a spot in the factory. Ten years since he smashed it at the Olympics, by the way. I'm in a flat circle. What a legend. Uh, yeah, he offers Carter a spot in the family, uh, in the in the factory, in the family, in the family, uh, and tells him to sleep got, on it. But I got a boxer. That guy can hit hard. I got some guy that used to date Bailey. You see her SummerSlam? She was goddamn awesome. This guy lost her. <laughs> I just got so you want to be a boxer from uh, Bugsy Malone stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. So you want to be a boxer in the golden ring. That's your boss baby too, isn't it? Yeah. Getting real Bugsy Malone vibes off this, guys. You ever done the accent with Will Barnwell? Let me sit you down and tell you a little story of Bugsy Malone. Let me tell you when I played Fat Sam. <laughs> You're like, uh, you know, in Big Fat Quiz of the Year when Charles Dance reads like an autobiography. <laughs> and they use his incredible, like, gravitas-laden voice to read, I don't know, say like Rebecca Vardy's uh, and Colleen Rooney's. Rebecca Vardy's uh, autobiography. Yeah, Colleen Rooney's tweet or something, whatever. Well, let's give her a, a proper title, Wagatha Christie. <laughs> Like, this is now you. Uh, let me take you back to the uh, days of Fat Slams, Grand Slams, Speakeasy. <laughs> uh, yes, he said, uh, sleep on it. But don't be sleeping with the fishes. He should join the factory. And get the gear back on again. Yeah. Call Two Dimes Carter. <laughs> One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. <laughs> uh, then it was time for Master versus Apprentice, Lee Moriarty versus Matt Seidel. Mm. I much prefer this version of Lee Moriarty. I got to be honest. Uh, he wasn't messing about here. He was taking the piss from moment one. Yeah. He walked out and did the, like, piece of, ooh, ooh, my <laughs> piece, ooh. Right? Starts off, headbutt, straight away. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, I've written in my notes here, Lee Moriarty turns heel. He didn't really turn heel. He already was heel at the start of this match. But I enjoyed watching the process. Yeah. Suplex on Seidel. Seidel comes back with a high knee because he's mint, obviously. Standing moonsault um, and a spinning kick as the show went goes to break. When we come back, Moriarty brawls around ringside with Seidel to take control. 
he gets a near fall, does Moriarty when we come back with a sunset flip. Hits Seidel with a short arm clothesline, but then uh, Seidel comes back with the lightning spiral for a two count. Out comes Stokely Hathaway. Uh, while Seidel's got Moriarty knocked down, he's climbing up to the top. Moriarty gets up and starts selling an injured ankle to take the referee. Hathaway tries to interfere, gets involved with Seidel on the top rope, loses his glasses, uh, but all this distraction allows Moriarty to recover. He knocks Seidel off the turnbuckle, hits a sort of DDT flatliner for a near fall, then puts him in the Border City stretch to get the submission victory and post-match officially turns heel by taking the card from Stokely Hathaway. Yeah, this was the better way to do... This is the better way around in terms of the opponents to do this turn, wasn't it? Mm. Like the better match on balance was last week against Dante Martin, but with Martin Moriarty is kind of impl- there's an implied mutual respect there. Mm. Like he's going to cheat at the end because the opportunity has presented itself. But up to that point, they're having this like competitive like for like match. This and I like week, the fact that they said on commentary he was just saying that last week he lost a bit of balance. Yeah, and he just grabbed the ropes to support himself. Like, we all know what you were doing. Yeah, it was just good ring awareness at the time. This week, as you say, that wanton disrespect for everything Matt Seidel is informed the fact that you could do this heel turn throughout the body in the match. It wasn't just uh, Stokely Hathaway comes in, there's the interference, there's the card. Oh, my God! Pretty much from the off. It's like, Moriarty's made his choice. Exactly. I was, and, do you know, I was, I was watching this, because I've always quite liked Moriarty, but yeah. I've always been a bit like, eh. Mm. This was officially... Hey, 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 hey. You are right. A big moment for the Adam Wilborn pat on the back, like the hair ruffling week for Lee Moriarty. Great work. Um, Yeah, this was... So in that sense, I was more, uh, dare I say it, sports entertained by this match than I was the Dante Martin pro wrestling one Mm. last week. It's it's fine. It's character... It's it's all a bit just... uh, Things can be... Like, this was good, but in no way did it surprise, shock or enliven my senses. Mm. You know what I mean? The match played to the strengths of, like, Moriarty's ability to be a bit more cocky. Seidel's, like, a timeless, ageless veteran so wrestler. Good, like, so, a really, va- like, a valuable asset to the, the roster in a lot of complaints and debates that can be had about how many people are on this roster. But some people are just there to do perform roles like this, and Seidel is one of them. If, you, if you're, for the want of a better phrase, if you're jobbers to the stars are as talented as Matt Seidel. Yes. You've got a hell of a roster, right? If you can position your bottom line of bottom rung of guys to be as good as he is, you're in a good position. And Moriarty is a better fit as the true proper member of Stokely Hathaway's group when he splits from Jade Cargill as well. Yeah. Like, this feels like we're headed there as well. So, yeah. bro, I wasn't like jumping out my seat for any of this, but I was in, I was pleased with the developments. Yeah, I like to see where they were putting the pieces on the chessboard sort yeah. of thing. Uh, we get a promo from Britt Baker. They're not worried about facing Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm. Thunderstorm mm. next week. And Britt Baker just stirs the pot a little bit by saying, I think it's interesting, Tony, that she's keeping the person who could probably take the title away from her most closest to her. Good, that. Like, genuinely good. There is a... I know one of Sidgwick's pet peeves is tag women's tag matches for mythical rankings for a mythical division that doesn't exist because there are no titles at the end of it. Like, how how and why do you have a women's tag team matches if there is no purpose to mm. the, 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 you know, the, no kayfabe purpose for them to win or lose these matches? Here, Britt Baker has acknowledged that Thunderstorm are a unit and they're for real, and she's probably paranoid about Jamie Hayter a little bit. So how do you deal with that? You deflect completely and you instead imply dissension on the other side, and now this match suddenly has a purpose and mm-hmm. reason and thought behind it, and it may be short and it may be 
most likely going to go in one specific spot that we can all think of on Wednesday night, but I don't mind that they've at least put the thought in the first place. No. Go world of forklift. Then it was time for the new Ring of Honor world champion, Claudio Castagnoli, to come out and be interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Uh, Castagnoli thanks the fans in a variety of different languages. Who chant, you deserve it. Uh, He talks about this just being the beginning, and he also wants to bring out another member of the Combat Club, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club, that is, who are holding a Ring of Honor Mm. title. That's the pure champion, Wheeler Utah, but Chris Jericho, who's been moaning <laughs> on commentary all night, he's like, I've had enough of this. He gets on the mic and starts ranting about sports entertainment. And then uh, Utah just goes, oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up, you idiot. And he said, look, I'm mint. I'm great, me. I could easily beat you, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho's apoplectic at this. Jericho's like, yo, you think you can beat me, do you? Go on then. Right, let, fine. Next week on Dynamite, let's have a match. And Utah just went, no, I'm all right. <laughs> so great. No open Chris Jericho. Inspired. But he was actually baiting him. He was. Yeah, because uh, this got Jericho so fired up that he put his title shot on the line. Obviously, he's meant to be facing um, uh, John Moxley at Quake of the Lake. Mm. But now, as a result of you as baiting, he's put that on the line. So the winner of the match on Wednesday night will face Moxley at Quake at the Lake. The title's not on the line, is it? I didn't miss that. No. He's, not, he's not putting the pure title no. on the line. So, yeah, it was all to do with him just winding up Chris Jericho so much that he puts all of the things he owns on the line yeah. whilst Utah risks nothing because he's outsmarted him. Great, 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 great. AEW is still fundamentally the best wrestling company in the world, even after like an incredible SummerSlam full of attractor and my favorite wrestler returning. What culture wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, or our SummerSlam review. Great, great, great. Jericho's performance here was absolutely fantastic. It is the most sports entertainment thing to do, to be worked into, as you've said, putting up all of your stakes and getting nothing in return. Typically in WWE, baby faces do it. Like, <laughs> that's how stupid it is. But Chris Jericho is the perfect foil for this. Not only is he the perfect foil because he's the sports entertainment guy again, but the way he played this was absolutely fantastic as well. A bizarre, ranting old fool. Like, bruises oh, and cuts and completely lunatic, battered up from all his recent misadventures with Eddie Kingston. Broke his own nose with a chair. Yeah, like idiot. Just, like the, just a figure of complete comedy and chaos in equal measures. Just like completely losing it as if he was, I don't know, his own wife at the Capitol. Just like oh. it was just an inspired play from Chris Jericho here that then was bounced perfectly off deadpan Wheelie Utah, who has got all the confidence of a man not only backed up by the hardest group in the world, but somebody that is himself now a member of the hardest group and can be as hard and should have the confidence to think he can beat Chris Jericho. Why would he not? Like He's in the form of his life. He's in the run of his career. Why would he not think he can beat Chris Jericho? And what this does is, and I don't think it's going to happen, but it adds tremendous heat to the match on Wednesday yes. night. Dynamite. Like we're going to obviously go talk about this in a preview a lot more later in the week, but... What a fantastic hook to hang over a match that would otherwise... Like, let's say that you just get the graphic. Tonight, on, like, this week on Dynamite, it's going to be Chris Jericho and Wheelie Utah. You're like, that's pretty cool. That's a curtain raiser for uh, Jericho and Moxley. And they say, or it's going to be Utah Moxley. And they're like legacy rivals. They're mates now in a stable. Mm-hmm. But we all know that one of these days, Utah is going to fight Moxley. And it's going to be the biggest, coolest thing ever. Utah Mox 4, would that be? Yeah. Yeah. And he's never beat him. So, that, that, like, it's, it's getting closer. It's basically replaced Darby and Cody, hasn't it? Yeah. As, as the same, roughly the same kind of story with the same sort of beat. And they've now dangled the carrot of that in a match that is would have otherwise been completely predictable or indeed pointless as Jericho. He- it's going to be Jericho Moxley. That's where we're headed. Yes. Quick at the lake. Brilliant. This, this is... 
AEW is still the best. But loads more of this, please. Uh, we got a rap video from the Acclaim next. I'm not going to do it justice. <laughs> Trash Day is what yeah. it's called. Uh, and it sets up the fact that on Wednesday we get a dumpster match. Yeah. Uh, pretty great. I didn't think much of the rap. Uh, did we talk about Did we review the rap battle together? Possibly. In Murray, I, I just didn't think it was very good. Right, I, I wasn't hugely into the rap battle. And I'm slightly worried about the acclaimed as baby faces if, like, Max Caster's... That's like two weeks in a row where I thought, eh. But a dumpster match, again, absolutely inspired. Like, it's not a very famous stipulation, but one of the only famous iterations is the Outlaws. And Billy Gunn is right there. And they're having a dumpster match. It's trash. It's gonna, like, the visual is going to be really impressive as well. And the My only concern is, you know, the elephant in the room with all this. What's that? Oh, or the dog in the room, I should say. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, you can't throw the F boys in the bin. No, you can't hire a road dog. That's the end, that's, of, the, that's the the end. end of the sentence. End of the end sentence. Uh, we have back and forth before the main event between Ruby Soho and Anna J. I love Anna J calling herself Anna JAS. I don't know why I get surprised by it every really time. Yeah. Ruby Soho's furious, and effectively they say, make sure none of your bloody idiot mates who are stood behind you get involved in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark Henry says, well, looks like it's one on one. And. Gets so much longer every time I play that. It does, especially watching you mouth the words along. <laughs> Anna Jay got named Chris Jericho Sports Entertainer of the Week. Good. Um, and Anna Jay basically throughout this match uh, targets Soho's injured hand, of mm-hmm. course, um, that's been injured by the JAS. Uh, well, take Conti specifically, I should yeah. say. Um, Soho's doing a handstand on the top rope, and then Anna Jay just kicked it. Yes. Oof, look like rough that did. Um, we go to a break. When we come back, Anna Jay rips the brace off Soho's injured hand and just tortures her with it. But uh, Soho fights back, reverses her grip on uh, suplex because she can't do it with her injured hand, uh, uses the uh, uses the other grip, does it, nails it. Uh, she keeps selling the wrist, though, and uh, Jay continues to work it over. Soho goes for Destination Unknown, but Jay nicely counters uh, into a gory special for a near fall. Jay goes for the, uh, the Queen Slayer choke, uh, but Soho counters that up really well with a roll-up, so she has to release it. And Soho hits no future out of nowhere. Goes for a senton, but Anna Jay dodged it. And she takes off her things on her. I was watching this going, oh, this is going to be rubbish in terms of the fact that Anna Jay's going to lose because you can't have Ruby Soho lose again. Mm. Uh, and Anna Jay's just going to have all the wind taken out of her sail. So, so at this point, I'm going, oh, here we go. Anna Jay takes off her, her what wristbands, yeah. hand guards, whatever you want to call them, chucks them to the ground. Aubrey Edwards gets distracted getting rid of them. Now, you just don't... I didn't, did not see this coming. And Anna Jay uses this to grab the, uh, the, the cast, the wrist brace, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that Soho had lost earlier, hides that, and then uses it to choke the life out of Ruby Soho. She goes out. The referee calls it. Jericho applauds from the entranceway as the show goes off the air. I thought it was a great conclusion to the show. Yeah, really good match. Um, Anna Jay's had these in her before. Bizarrely, Ruby Soho hasn't. I think this was one of her stronger matches in AEW. Yeah. Um, a point of that finish, by the way, after the bell rings, like Anna, she's so slick in getting rid, like disposing of the evidence at the exact right time. So even that was time. Like mm. there was a lot of precision gone into this and a lot of thought gone into it, which I really appreciated. I have spotted a trend in um, because it, this was an NXT thing as well, and it happened recently on a Raw, and I cannot for the life of me remember the match, but. 
do this more, right? This is going to sound like basics, basics, fundamentals, but when there is a body part that is injured or wounded or whatever, it helps everybody, no matter if you're experienced, no matter if you're brand new, no matter if you're green, no matter if you shouldn't be on television, whatever, um, to just make the match almost exclusively that. Yeah. Like, the one big example that is in the front of my mind right now, because I can't think of another one, is the Mandy Rose Roxanne Perez title match. Like, that's probably Mandy Rose's best title defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't really one of them Roxanne Perez keeping the match together bits. It was like, right, well, there's the target. And we're just going to work and work and work and work that target because it's just natural sympathy. It's really easy. A baby face is a walking wounded and yet they're going into battle anyway. And I thought they played with that fantastically well in this. Mm. At no point did Anna Jane not really have her eyes on that specific prize. And then when push came to shove, like she uses it as a way to cheat at the end to get the win as well. Like Ruby Soho has simply got too much guile and guts and baby face drive to lose the way that Anna Jay would like to beat her, so she goes down that route instead. I don't just have to attack it. I can use it against her, and I can show that I've got more about me mentally as well as physically. And I just, I was really, really impressed, not just with the work, which was good and solid and together, but also the um, thought and agenting that went into the match. This Anna Jay repackaging is like an instant hit. Yeah, I feel good about this immediately. We're going to see presumably more from... Um, TJ, and they were just coming together. Their chemistry was just peaking right around the time that instead they like forced Ty Conti to be the girlfriend and nothing more. Yeah. To get them working tag matches again. Like, in the same way that Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter have, you can set things up with team matches. So, yeah, really, really impressed with this. Genuinely so. And I don't mean that to, like, sound condescending. No. I just d- the, the two of them haven't had, like, so, this raft of amazing singles matches that you would have necessarily expected it to mm. deliver. So, like, in that sense, it was like a real over over delivery and a real achievement. A, a great night for both of them. Yeah, nice ending to the show as well. Let us know your thoughts uh, on AEW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Why well, I say you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick and get your hands on his brilliant book, Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AW on Amazon right now. A great holiday read. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be previewing Dynamite later on this week and reviewing it, of course. Uh, already out today is our SummerSlam review. And later on today, we'll be looking ahead to Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the Rampage Review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we... See you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.